Hello and welcome to Hightailing Through History, High Tales of History's Tall Tales. Each week, two sisters get together, get high, and like to surprise each other with stories from history. It's a casual hangout. Welcome to our smoke circle. I'm glad you're here. Hello, and welcome to Hightailing Through History. I'm Laurel. Joined by Katie. Welcome to episode seven. And the smoke circle. And the smoke circle. Hi, Katie. How are you doing tonight? <laughs> Better now. Katie brought us some moonshine, and I'm not a moonshine <laughs> Don't ask me drinker. what's in it. I don't know, because someone made it and brought it to me at the stable. Yeah, so she we had, actually like, 12 don't jars know. of it. <laughs> yeah, we don't know how strong it is. She just brings over this jar, and she pours out half to me, and it's like, cheers. And it tastes like apple juice, which makes me a little concerned. Well, it tastes that- like apple pie okay apple pie yeah like apple cider yeah that's oh it's so good i love apple i mean i love fall so i'm one of those people i've been drinking mine a little bit like juice (laughs) i think that's the deceptive part though because i'm gonna tell you because i was drinking this while you were finishing what you were finishing and i was like whoa so we're gonna see how this goes it's a little bit of liquid magic (laughs) for the evening (laughs) but katie gave me the hint uh that said this sort of has something to do with her story tonight, which I'm thrilled about because that means we have, we both have topics on illegal or criminalized liquids. Liquids. <laughs> <laughs> which is funny how that happens. Last week, our episode on Kudiyun and the Lost Colony of Roanoke actually happened to be that week like that you know that that day in history the sort day of thing. we recorded it it mm-hmm. was that day in history wasn't it yes yeah you sent that to me the next day and i was like wait a second yeah let me understand this you're saying that all that stuff like happened the same that on that blew day my mind history. i legit i was like all right universe juice man it's- yeah the so it, what it was was the day that that date in history was the day that genghis genghis khan died and also that Roanoke was deserted. Was deserted, yeah, it was discovered yeah. as deserted. And that and blew like, my oh. mind. I was like, "What?" It's kind of nice how those sort of things work out. So, moonshine, illegal liquids, rock paper scissor. Oh, here we go. All right, drop me a beat, DJ. <laughs> <laughs> Stop! You're making me feel stupid. No, that was really funny. That was probably one of the best laughs I've ever heard from you as well, too. It was good. Okay, here we go. Here's our beat. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Oh, Oh, I win. Beat me. Okay. I'll bring the beat. Paper beats rock. I'm sorry. (laughs) That was a RuPaul Now I get to sit back and enjoy my moonshine. Oh, yeah, you'll be plastered by the time yours comes along. by the time it gets to me. (laughs) I'll behave, folks. I'll behave. Please don't. I mean, enjoy responsibly, but you don't have to drive, so I have to behave. Mm-hmm. In fact, if you need to pour a little bit of yours out into mine, it's okay. fine. I can help you out No, with I'll that. just call Blake to pick me up. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's the nice thing with Blake, literally with his business just down the road. He can always just come He's home you. tonight, but yeah, oh, okay. he is just down the road. So like Plus if, have a if tra- tragedy were to strike, tragedy being, oh, I can't drive, which is not that tragic. It means I had a good time, but uh, <laughs> he would just come pick my happy ass up and then yeah. i'd be like put on britney spears <laughs> and he knows that's what would happen yeah this is why i stick to marijuana because 
Indeed. Because yeah, hangovers hungover. are rough. Yeah, I had a little bit of a hangover recently, and it was like even a little one. I was like, "This really? is bullshit." What did you drink? Well, um, oh, I that was the night that I bought the lamp and the absinthe. Oh Jesus! I didn't even have the absinthe. I'm still waiting to have the absinthe. I poured an absinthe, and Christian's like, "I don't think you want it," and I was like, "I, don't, I, I don't do think you're want gonna it. like it. I do definitely want it." And I was like, "I don't, I don't want this." Did you touch it with your tongue? No, I smelled it with my nose. <laughs> that was it. That's all it took. You were like, and I was like, oh, I, I'm done. I don't uh, want this. No. Yeah. So, <laughs> and I was, and I still technically dodged a hangover, but I went to bed feeling like garbage, and I was like, oh no, I'm gonna oh. wake up feeling so sick. I'm gonna feel like, I'm gonna. Oh, feel and you like were crap. fine, but and I was fine. You were but a I was little. Like, Ooh, we call I'm, that crispy. In yeah. my circle of friends, we say Papa's a little crispy the next day. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I was technically I was fine, but I and I fully dodged the hangover. Mm-hmm. But I just had that awareness of, you know, just having to, like, just feeling gross when I went fuzzy. to bed. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. I woke up feeling, yeah, feeling fuzzy. Yeah. I was like, You were crispy. Mm, this crispy is why I don't show. You know really what fixes drink. that is when we stayed at State Beach Park and got unbelievably plastered. Mom, I'm sorry. She knows about this. I told her right to her face that we were drunk. Um, and... We went and dove in the ice-cold waters of Lake Michigan first thing in the morning. If that was not the baptism from heaven that I've never had, let me tell you what. I I literally went under that water, young, hungover, unwise. I came out of that water like a reborn. Like a prophet. I returned like a prophet, thank you. Yeah. Because I was wiser. I was healed. I... Decided to cook sausages in Guinness. I mean, oh. yeah, on the cast iron over the fire. So let me tell you what. The, Gu- the sausages were in the Guinness? Yeah. Nice. It was Did you drink the Guinness too? Well, yeah, because at that time I could drink beer. Oh, right. Yeah, so yeah. I like powered through the rest of the pack, which I don't know why. Now that I'm thinking, I'm like, that was a stupid idea. You were hungover, so you drank more. Good idea. No, that's actually uh... I've heard the hair of the dog, but it just dehydrates you more. So yeah. it's like, is it really that helpful? Either way. Well, you do it with water. Oh, that's a good idea. I mean, that's what well, I Well, my water was Lake do. Michigan, so. <laughs> Perfection. But either way, yeah, I returned, like you said, a prophet. Oh, my God. All right, Katie, what have you got for us tonight? I'm mm. I'm so excited about tonight's. We each have our apple pie moonshine, so that's what we're drinking. Mm-hmm. So my story takes place in the 1920s of the United States Ooh. of America. I'm assuming you know what I'm about to say here. Are you going to talk about prohibition? Sure am. Yeah. Because what better time to bring up moonshine than prohibition? <laughs> okay. Prohibition in the United States lasted from 1920 to 1933. The movement was led by pious religious groups. So, mm-hmm. like, woo, they were really into their scripture. Um, they wanted to put an end to the ills of society uh, such as alcoholism, family violence, and saloon-based political corruption. Saloon-based. I don't know what that means, but I was like, okay, I follow. Because in 19, what, the 20s were the roaring 20s, right? I mean, yeah. well, but no. If it was the roaring 20s, then they were drinking the whole time anyway. I'm putting two and two together in, right now. Can you see that? Well, like in speakeasies, it was still technically illegal, but you oh, could yeah. get it. Oh, we'll get into that. Yeah. So... <laughs> Oh, it's coming. Oh, it's it's coming. So uh, around 1900, the Anti-Saloon League pushed for reform in the country. 
but it lost traction during World War One for obvious reasons. Yeah. So obviously, after November 11th of 1918, World War One ended. So in January of 1920, do you know what it is? Oh, you do. Okay, with the ratification of the 18th Amendment, federally, alcohol was outlawed. Following the ban, criminal gangs gained control of the beer and liquor supplies in major cities because, you know, obviously, (laughs) that's what happens. Yeah. Yeah. So with the heavily increasing demand for alcohol, efforts to stop the supply were almost in vain. Law enforcement and regulators devised a new strategy and a brilliant idea to put a stop to it at its source. Because they were just so smart. They were like, you know what? This will be a great idea. These are their thinking antennas. Uh, At this time, lots of alcohol was distilled from industrial alcohols. You know, like stuff that you would like. um, So when I redid my wood floors, like mineral spirits and stuff like that. You laughing. Yeah, it's gross. It is, but that's Mm -hmm. what they had. Yeah, I know. So when you're desperate, uh, they were still legal to import. So that was the only alcohol they had access to. This is why moonshine made people go blind. (laughs) And gin, and original gin. Yes, gin. and gin. Oh, no, that. I'm going to tell you how they made it. Oh, So, okay. moonshine, I, they just distilled with, like, corn and stuff in the mountains, and that, that one I didn't really get into, unfortunately, but it's kind of super common nowadays. Yeah. Actually, believe it or not, I know someone who actually, I won't tell you who, but I know someone who distills moonshine in their house. I was like, do you really? They're like, yeah. I'm like, and why have you not brought me some? They just kind of stared at me. I was like... No, for real. Well, where did this come from? Someone at the stable. Oh, okay. Who also does it? I don't know. I didn't ask. Don't ask questions, Laurel. Just take the gifts that are given. This is homemade moonshine, isn't it? I assume so, so, yeah. She, they, he, I don't know, my... I won't tell you. I know. They, they made the moonshine. (laughs) It's from a safe source. Like, I trust the source. It's just moonshine. (laughs) I just thought it was funny that you're like, I know someone who does, and I was like... So it's, that's not what we're drinking right now? We're no, drinking. I actually know two people now yeah. that you brought that up. Yeah. So exactly. cool. Moonshine. Mm-hmm. Delicious moonshine, though. It's like the best apple-tasting moonshine ever. Yeah. The other I'm ones had cinnamon too. sticks in it. I removed ours, so maybe I oh. should have left it. Yeah, okay. Do-do-do-do. So industrial alcohols are still legal to import. The U.S. government mandated. Here we go, everybody. Here's the government's fantastic idea. Oh. Let's put toxic additives, i.e. poison, into the products that would be converted into bootleg alcohol, attempting to cut the supply before the consumption. You're shaking your head. Yeah. (laughs) So, yes, that's right, folks. The U.S. government poisoned its own citizens. So, the high demand for alcohol and the obvious (laughs) no regulation on the black market trade Uh, caused the now-toxic bootleg liquor to still be sold and consumed. Who knew? Never saw that one coming. There were absolutely no red flags of any sort. (laughs) So, sorry. (laughs) It's hard for me to not give an opinion when I'm talking sometimes. (laughs) So ingrained into me. Uh, So on New Year's Day in 1927, we will now have a moment for the uh, lives lost, 41 people died at New York's Bellevue Hospital. Mm. Mm. it happened it's history man that's why we gotta talk Mm. about it common alcohol consumed included like wood alcohol or industrial methanol uh, which is legal but but an extremely dangerous poison so 
It made it, and that's what happened. Well, the federal government had required companies to denature industrial alcohol since 1906. When prohibition came about, they ordered, um, sorry, my own writing is bad, quanine and methyl alcohol and other toxic chemicals to be added, so after prohibition, as a further deterrent. So denaturing, I assume, means that they, well, I don't assume, I know what denaturing is. It means to, like, break it down or cook it down. So I'm not sure how they even made the alcohol out of this. Are people are really that smart when they're that desperate? I don't know. But apparently it was... Since 1906, they'd done that, so they made it happen anyway. Wow. I know. So, by the end of that decade, the enforcement of prohibition was transferred from the IRS. Yeah, don't ask me why, but this is surreal facts, man. Uh, to the Justice Department, which makes a whole lot more sense. Uh, and then in 1933, the 18th Amendment was repealed. However, it was too late as Americans had been poisoned with intentionally contaminated liquor. So, that not to end on such a sad note, that was kind of the whole story. I just wanted to tell it because, man, people died to get us where we were today so that we could have, Aww. this podcast would not exist if people did not fight against prohibition. So, fun facts. To make gin during prohibition, a mash was used to ferment from corn, fruit, beets, even potato peels, so whatever they could find and get their hands on, they would ferment that. It would produce a 200-proof alcohol. Yes, I know. Fucking <laughs> That was then mixed with a touch of juniper oil for flavoring. Turned into a highly potent rank was the word used, so I kept it from my source, gin. So that's gin, folks. This is the origins of gin. Uh, that gin had to be watered down by half, which is still a hundred proof alcohol. I want to point out to you. Mm-hmm. I know. So, nice. and then obviously moonshine was made with different mashes, and it was generally more popular, like in the Smoky Mountains and the Blue Mountains and all that stuff. So, um, still manufactured today. Still very mm -hmm. popular in like what Tennessee, I believe. Yeah, Tennessee's got a few places. Yeah. And um, I love moonshine. I've never, I don't know that I've ever had the actual real shot of white lightning or Mountain Dew as it used to be called. I've got some downstairs. Do you like yeah. real non-flavored? Yeah. Oh man, is it's it awful? It's actually white lightning, yeah. What's up? Is it awful? I mean, I won't go near it to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I won't. Touch Neither will Christian. We have it and we were just like, nah, it's good. It just kind of sits there. We should have taken a shot honorary to this in honor of those who died to bring us our booze. Well, I'll uh, take a drink of our apple one. Clink. To those lives lost. Mm -hmm. Not to be dour, but I thought it was really interesting because I was like, I never knew that. I was like, what? The government did what? It shouldn't surprise me, but yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Sorry not to make it so short, but yeah. No, that's... I could have gone more into the good. distillation process, I suppose, but I was like, whoa. Yeah. Bathtub gin, man. Good God. What do they make gin up. with now? It's uh, various botanicals. Juniper is like the main. Well, yeah, that would make sense. Um, but just mix a touch of juniper oil in there. That'll make all that 200 proof problem go away. God. Here, Stan, cut it with water. It'll be fine. But that was when they made their own. That They didn't obviously use that nasty industrial alcohol. Um, 
But yeah, it was, I kind of laughed when I was telling Blake about this, and he goes, probably more would have died, but people made it themselves. I was like, they were the smart ones. That's terrible. Yeah, because it was a, a, probably a New Year's Eve party, wasn't mm-hmm. it? And then Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. It didn't really say. So obvious, for obvious reasons, I think this isn't really talked about because the government doesn't want to talk about it. Well, sure. <laughs> yeah. So it was actually, I have lots of sources, but I compiled as many as I could. So it could be like, this is definitely true. Um, But it was one of those things, it was like, you could tell those details, that kind of stuff were like really hard to find. They did not narrow stuff down. They didn't point things at like, obviously it's a long, long time. Well, for America, it was a long time ago, Um, back in like the 20s and stuff. And this is an illicit, illegal activity anyway. Mm -hmm. So there's, was not well documented regardless, but yeah. So we can assume records were not the best but yeah the it was kind of hush hush so like a lot of places were like yeah the government did this and then it was like a lot of the sources that i normally use were like touched on it but briefly so mm-hmm. i had to use i've got like six seven eight sources <laughs> that i had to use nice, yeah. but yeah i just thought it was interesting because not to sound like a rebel but i love to find out you know about stuff the government does behind your backs and i'm like yeah. Well, there's plenty of it. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, that's a thick book. And that, no, I mean, that's like across the world. Oh, totally. Way, no. I mean, yeah. It's not even like I'm being a tinfoil hat person. Um, it's just what it is, I think, unfortunately. Totally. Absolutely. Without a doubt. Yeah. Well, thank you for that, Katie. And You're welcome. Not to spread sadness, but, you know, I was like, we need to remember these people who died. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's something that should be talked about for sure all right are you ready i was gonna say so you also have illicit liquid (laughs) yeah sort of yeah it's like a liquid that has been i don't want to say it's been criminalized but it, it in some ways yes so for my story i'm gonna take us to our northern neighbors so we're going from 1920s america Mm -hmm. to like 2010s canada the maple leaf state the maple leaf state (laughs) well you know i actually got that no i know it's actually a line from a song Mm. it's a song about canada and i love it i sing it at least once a month at least once a month (laughs) don't judge me I like that you know it's like within a month period. It generally like, is. Okay, I cool, can cool. see it on my search history and I'm like, oh, yeah. yeah, I did it. I'm not ashamed. And I'll like go ham on it. And Blake's like, are these people even Canadian? I was like, I don't know. It's a ska so, band, so may I don't know. <laughs> it's a love song to Canada. It is a love song. Yeah. Well, yes. I mean, the maple leaf is on their flag and yeah. it is a great source of pride their maple syrup Mm -hmm. and this was something that I heard about when we were first starting the podcast and I even mentioned my excitement for it are you gonna tell me about maple leaf cartels um sorry uh syrup cartels yes (laughs) okay and the subsequent maple syrup heist oh yeah of course there is but it's a it, yes, it's recent history. It's still continuing today, but it really takes a look at 
economics as well, which Mm -hmm. is quite the motivator behind a lot of events in world history. And this one is no different. I've actually been affected by your Canadian cartels and my line of work. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. So economics creates an environment that creates an event. And that's kind of what we have here. Mm -hmm. So yes, we're talking about Canada's maple syrup cartel and the subsequent heist of millions of dollars worth of maple syrup from said cartel in 2011. So there were some pretty unusual heists in the 2010s, right? I mean, we had the... The feather heist. The feather heist. Yeah. And now the, the great maple syrup heist. I actually got really up in arms about that one. And I'm, yeah, and I'm really into weird heists, apparently. Yeah, you are. But first I'm going to tell you about the cartel itself, which is officially called the Federation of Quebec Maple Syrup Producers. It's a non-government organization that sets and manages production rates, supply, and therefore pricing of maple syrup from Quebec to the world. Now, Katie, you might be thinking, big deal. It's just one city in the vast country of Canada that is selling maple syrup. But you know what, Katie? It is a big deal because over 70% of the world's supply of maple syrup comes from Canada, and 93% of that comes from Quebec. My actual thought was they're causing a huge lockup of supply and demand economically. So mm-hmm. I went straight into economics. Mr. Shisaki would be so proud. And also because maple syrup is an agricultural product that relies on a good harvest year to year, mm-hmm. you can't always rely on how much you're going to get. You know, So it's not like you're like, I'm going to be able to get this much every single year. So before we get too far into the story... Words like cartel and mafia, they sound really sexy and scandalous, and it gets people into a story, which is what got my attention. I was like, what? Maple syrup cartel? That sounds hilarious and interesting. But it is something I do want to make clear that it's it's a legal cartel. This isn't like Pablo Escobar and like... Oh, it's a legal one? It's legal. Yeah, oh, it's a legal... Oh, my first thought was beheaded bodies and severed hands and things. Right. Like well, for us... Like, we... Oh, you know, naturally. <laughs> and that's the thing. We hear the word cartel and we immediately think of drug lords and, you know, all those yeah, sort of things. Yeah, absolutely. Columbia. You're right. And, and then you put the words maple syrup with that and you're like, I'm sorry, what? This is an interesting dichotomy right now. Yeah. Especially because... There's the stereotype of Canadians being, like, unfailingly polite, you know? You're like, oh, what are they going to do? You know, like, I am. Right. Mm -hmm. No, wait, that's that's what they say. They say that they're extremely polite and don't want to ruffle feathers. Right. Well, I don't think that's a bad stereotype necessarily. No, absolutely not. But it's just it's just kind of funny. Sure, people are always angry, and that's the one I live with, you know, which is bullshit. No, I'm just kidding. Find who made that and I'm going to punch their face. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm drinking, so I'm married. There's no anger here. Yeah. (laughs) So this uh, cartel, if you will, is government sanctioned, government approved, but it's not run by the government in any way. Mm. It's essentially a group uh, or like a union of maple syrup producers who have banded together. A bunch of dudes owning trees. Yeah. And it's very much like OPEC. So for anyone unfamiliar with what OPEC is, it stands for Organization of the Petroleum Exporting Countries. As of January 2020, its 13 members were 
five in Western Asia, as in the Middle East, Mm -hmm. seven in Africa, and one in South America. OPEC was created in September of 1960, uh, and together its member countries would, um, they would coordinate petroleum policies and prices in order to secure a more efficient, economic, regular supply of petroleum so we don't have like these wild fluctuations or diminishes in the supply Mm -hmm. around the world. And that's what the Federation, as it's known in short, the Federation, is doing for maple syrup. So it's maple syrup OPEC. A little over 50 years ago, the maple syrup industry used to be a free market, but it wasn't very lucrative. Sales were low. A lot of people that um, were producers or had their family had a sugar bush, like a, a farm, you know, basically a sugar farm, mm. were trying to get out just in order to not continue losing more money. So they're mm. just like jumping shit because it was it was a loss basically, mm. and that was when a group of them banded together to like slow the leak and try and turn things around for the industry and help sa- stabilize the supply and pricing. Over the years, the price of maple syrup has increased dramatically, which is why we are paying like you know fifteen dollars or you know a little more, a little less for the good stuff, right? None of that like. Mrs. Buttersworth nonsense, right? We don't drink that in my household. Yes, exactly. Only the finest. <laughs> it's high fructose corn syrup and like goo and, and coloring. And <laughs> smashed hopes and dreams. <laughs> and it is and a actually, dab of caramel coloring. <laughs> and that's the thing, like in Canada, like if you were to serve something like that, I mean, it's a you massive insult. You would see insult. how not polite they can yeah. be. <laughs> It's a massive insult. It's like, what? Are you serious? They just like flip it up in your face. Yeah, like, flip the table. Flip not the sorry. Yeah. <laughs> not sorry about this. Um, and so <laughs> that high price has allowed producers to make ends meet and just give them more security. I mean, they're by no means rich. I watched a um, – actually, there's an episode of Dirty Money on Netflix about Is this. Is there really? Yeah. So no, that was, that was part of my, my fun research. And – they're not living in mansions or anything like that. They're modest houses, mm-hmm. you know, modest lifestyles. So they're in the just, middle of the woods. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, really. And they're they're like we're able to just make our make ends meet now and just be able to. Not, I can pay my bills. Yeah, I can pay my bills. I'm not fretting and worrying about where money is coming from now, which is great. Mm-hmm. And that they say that's because the federation's keeping the the prices are up high and steady. You know, it's mm. steady over the years now. How high, you're asking? Oh, don't worry. I'm going to tell you. Now, to put things in perspective, in 2019, the average average price of a barrel of oil was $56.99. Mm-hmm. The average price of a barrel of maple syrup in 2019 was 1425 dollars or $1,800 in Canadian dollars. <laughs> that was a bit redundant. It's fine. So, I got what you were going for. Right? It's yeah. not – that's not cheap. That's nothing to – uh, how fat? What's what's the saying? That's nothing to shake a shoe at. What? Is that something? <laughs> anyway, um, it's a lot of money. Basically, yeah. is what I'm saying. Of course, now that you've made me laugh, I can't think of what the saying is. It's nothing to shake something at. But shake okay. a stick at? No. Fuck. You know. Anyway. Meanwhile, everyone's like everyone's screaming at, going, right, stop shouting at, at you, like <laughs> get your heads together. So here's how the federation works. All Quebec. Maple syrup producers are required to meet and give a certain quota of their yearly harvest to the Federation. When the supply is up, the Federation stores that away in their global strategic reserve warehouse. 
So this is like maple syrup Star Wars. Yeah. Just go with it. It is. Okay. This warehouse <laughs> or this strategic reserve is in rural Quebec, and it's um, it's really cute. It's like really unassuming looking. It looks like it would be – It's like a, I mean, it's a warehouse building, but the front of it looks like it would be a um, like a farm – supply shop you mm-hmm. know like those tractor in- supply co yeah uh-huh it looks like farm and fleet mm-hmm. when is when the supply is down they use the reserve from the warehouse to be shipped out all over the world oh uh, okay makes sense right okay yeah now the producers are not paid on the amount that they give the federation well the federation says you give give us x amount we'll pay you when that said amount leaves our warehouse again so that means that producers could be paid on that in a few months or in a years. year. Yeah. Yeah. But for us in our American ears and our American brains to hear this, it might be kind of weird. This is actually kind of common with some agricultural products in Canada. Oh. So they do this for chickens, turkeys, eggs, and milk. At least those four. Turkeys? Mm-hmm. Canada exports turkeys? Hey, let them do what they want. No, I'm not saying they can't. I didn't realize they had such a market for it. Yeah. So on Thanksgiving, the American of American holidays next to the 4th of July, you're telling me all of our turkeys are Canadian. Not all of them. We have our own turkeys here, but just saying. Do we, though? Okay, whatever. If mine comes wearing uh, a denim jacket and denim pants, maybe some flannel, I'm going to be like... What's up, buddy? Yeah. I mean, there are okay. neighbors. I'm not actually upset about it, but I'm just pointing out the fact that you're eating a Canadian bird on American soil <laughs> for an American holiday. It doesn't necessarily... I mean, turkeys are eaten for other reasons, too. I mean, there's... Like... I know they are. Okay. Just, what other country has Thanksgiving? Yeah, I know you're right. Is it only America? Well, shit. Now I'm like... Yeah. Canada's got some sort of special Thanksgiving. It's not like the same, but I oh, know I gotta look it up. Mm. Oh shit, it's real. What? It's held on the second Monday in October. It celebrates the harvest and the blessings of the past year. Which sometimes corresponds with October 14th. Uh, Best that's cool. So there is a Canadian Thanksgiving, and therefore they can have their own turkeys if they want to. Never said they couldn't. <laughs> I was just thinking it was kind of ironic. Yeah. Most people say that 80% of the maple syrup producers are pro-Federation. Okay. But 80% isn't 100%. Nope. And there is a small yet fiercely opposed group of producers who feel like their freedom as a producer and business owner is being taken from them by not having a free market. Is it 20%? Yeah. Okay. Oh, I see what you're saying. Well, I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it's exactly 20%. That's why I say most people say 80% because, like, different different people who are all pro-Federation, these are people, like, within the Federation who are, like, 80% want this. Oh, so it could so actually like, be a skewed number. Yeah. So that's why I say. Some ah, people say, or most people so say 80%. With a little asterisk next to that. Yeah. Well, there's a belief uh, within that group that they are losing money when they're being run by the Federation, that they're not being compensated fairly for the syrup that they give the Federation for the reserve. They don't like the micromanagement of it all, the quotas, the numbers, and they just feel like even though there would be a risk with the free market, that they're better off without the Federation. Those that risk going behind the back of 
the Federation. <laughs> the Galactic Federation, the Galactic of, maple Federation syrup. of maple syrup. Are subject to fines that are hundreds of thousands of dollars. I mean, like, the the lowest one that I found on, like, the different people are like, oh, I have this much I have to pay. I have this much I have to pay on my different sources. Yeah. The lowest one I found was 400000 Canadian dollars. Holy shit. Right. I mean, these are just people. They're farmers, basically. Yeah, no, they, I mean... You tend to not have a whole lot of money just laying around because right. you kind of live between from crop to crop. So yeah, it's so it's it's so for them it's putting them even more in a in a money hole. There's a couple people. There's one lady. She's like, I was using this as my retirement. She's like, I have no retirement now. She's she has I think it's like seven hundred something thousand. No, no, no. She was I'm sorry. She was closer to like five five hundred or six hundred thousand dollars. That's a half a million. Right. I mean, I that's don't a lot of money on to me where a you'd start young broke person. Yeah. I don't even know where you'd start with trying to pay that off. Now and, that I've shotgunned my moonshine, I'm very emotionally invested in this. I just needed you to know that. So if I'm looking at you a little bleary eyed, I apologize. In addition to this, then get more invested. Those rogue producers, as they're <gasps> thought of, also Sorry. are watched filmed investigated by private investigators hired by the federation and they have said um, in different news outlets that these pis have even come into their homes demanding utility bills um, wanting to see their production wanting to see how many barrels they have they can't do that can they well they have they are i guess get out of my house yeah there was actually in fact actually in the the dirty money episode it got to the point where a large group of producers knew that a investigator was coming to a certain property and they all made a human wall and were like, you're not coming in. You're not looking at this. Like, get out of here. Yeah. And it was so cute. Not cute. It's not cute. But I mean, I just liked how they had their hands in their pockets because so they didn't have their hands out. Like, I'm not going to put hands on you, but I'm going to threaten you with my body and my words. And the guy is kind of a younger guy, and he was trying to like was like fine. He got in his car and left. But yeah, buzz yeah, off. they're like, no, you're not coming in here. You're not. You're not looking at anything. Like if you try to go in there, you're gonna get a world There's gonna hurt, be problems, basically. man. Mm-hmm. So that poor is... maple syrup all over his car. How do you like that? <laughs> so that uh, is also fraying some nerves too. So you're not only getting the fines, but then you're seeing like mysterious cars in your driveway and people coming up to your house and like taking pictures and wanting to see your stuff. That would piss me off, but yeah, yeah. it's like really. We've already invasive. established that I'm small and easily angered, so yeah. <laughs> so when there is such a hot commodity as maple syrup and it's worth a whole lot of money, and there's a lot of heat and kind of back and forth around it a storm starts a brewin and mm-hmm. that storm's name is heist it's the summer of 2012 and the federation was doing their annual inventory of the barrels in the reserve now i'll post some pictures of this as well too to go along with the episode if anyone wants to see it's a huge warehouse the barrels are stacked like i think it's like six high and like 80 rows deep or something i mean there's thousands of barrels in here yeah there's a lot of maple syrup going on and normally one of these barrels would be immensely heavy, as in 600 pounds heavy when filled. No one's going to be just like easily yeah, moving that around. Words, so yeah. And again, they're stacked up. So when they do the inventory, uh, the man that's doing it is climbing up on top of the barrels as he's counting because the barrels aren't going anywhere. He can climb on like a little ladder, except one of them teeters. And that's never happened before. 
and he nearly falls and he's like well one that's never happened why is this not heavy enough something's most definitely wrong when he realizes that he can actually push it over and it goes dong like that it sounds like a gong they're like oh shit what's going on here so they find that not only is that one empty but there were a few other empty barrels nearby and so they call the police bring in the mounties <laughs> so there are 250 investigators that were put on the case which is the largest in canada's history 250 people put on this case here and it was discovered that some barrels were completely empty and some were filled with water it took all those investigators two weeks to figure out which ones were syrup and okay and then which ones were water or completely empty thankfully one of the investigators was realizing the water ones uh where which barrels were filled with water based on condensation and rust he was like maple syrup doesn't sweat and rust so this must be water and they were able to find barrels a little bit quicker otherwise it probably would have taken them much longer Mm -hmm. when it was all said and done nearly five hundred and forty thousand gallons of syrup had been stolen which was 12 and a half percent of the reserve storage and had a street value of 13.4 million canadian dollars holy cow the barrels don't have a gps on them they don't have serial numbers or anything like that. Oh, so they don't know who, what came from where. Uh-huh. And they don't know how long the syrup had been missing because this is just an annual inventory. And so now, and plus it's something that can be eaten, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so it could be anywhere and everywhere. Consumed and gone. Correct. Non-trackable. So the first people that were looked into were those who were anti-Federation, of course, which makes sense. Yep. Those who, and also those who worked on the maple syrup black market which i think is just a funny phrase to say although i should obviously it's very lucrative very based lucrative. upon what i yeah. just heard if our oil is less than our maple syrup i was like oh sure well i mean granted i probably use less maple syrup than i use oil based upon the gas and oil i put in my car and all that but still <laughs> if you used as much maple syrup as you did oil i would just piss myself laughing right now we do buy it almost every other week yeah, but I don't think you use as much as you do. No, for we don't. Cars. But now but now that you actually made me stop and think about that, I just had that drunken realization. I was like, wow, we drink a lot of maple syrup. I mean, I put it on everything. I put on my sausages. I put on my pancakes. There's another item. Bacon. I dip my bacon oh. in it. It makes me think of Super Troopers when oh. they're chugging. <laughs> yeah, when they're chugging the maple syrup. Oh. That had to be iced tea. They didn't actually chug for that scene, did they? I don't know. It looked pretty sick. I've seen it again recently, and I was like, oh, no. Is that a Canadian? No, I think it, uh, it's in Vermont, which ah, is... Okay, so it's on the border. So Vermont, actually, here, and just throw this in here. Vermont is the U.S.'s leading supplier yes, of are. maple syrup. And they're the only ones now, in more recent days, who are starting to threaten what the federation is doing in terms of their pricing and structure because they're producing more but it's mm. not quite that disruptive yet but that's what the economists are saying is that that vermont and the u.s might uh, start to kind of change how the federation does things and how it needs to uh kind of rethink some of its strategy mm-hmm. how interesting we will all now follow maple syrup news <laughs> after this so Yes, the investigation brings them 
to anti-federation people, black market people. Obviously. But then over time in, you know, detective work and whatever, it finally lands on three men. Avit Caron, Richard Vallier, and Sebastian Jutras. Jutras. I didn't actually hear how his last name was pronounced, so I apologize about that one. Um, Caron wasn't in the syrup business. He had a criminal record for fraud. He had a, not like a long list, but he did have, you know, fraud on his record. And allegedly had ties to the Italian mafia. I did not see that in any other source, but that's what Dirty Money said. So I was like, mm, I say allegedly. So he wasn't like The Italians like maple syrup too, obviously. Valliere was known as a barrel roller, which is somebody who sells syrup on the black market. And Jutras Sebastian, I'm just going to call him Sebastian just so I don't mess up his last name further, uh, was a driver at the reserve. So he was one of the ones with the forklift, mm. moving barrels around and stuff. It was learned that over, like, over a, a, period, a small period of time that the barrels were removed at night from the reserve, loaded up on the truck, and then taken to another warehouse where they were unloaded. And in fact, they were actually unloaded by a, like a regular forklift, so it left marks on the barrels. Oh, and that was okay. actually how they were, back at the reserve, able to kind of pick out some of the other barrels that were tampered with because yeah. they're like, well, these have marks on them. And our forklift only grabs it from the top and doesn't leave marks on the barrel. Hmm. So that was like part of okay. the reason why they were able to kind of figure it out. And so they were like, oh, well, if this is being taken or this is being transported by another forklift, we'll be able to find forklift rentals in the area so that was part of how they were able to yeah kind of narrow it down a little bit you no, know detective great, work no yeah yeah total great detective work but i was sitting there and was like oh yeah so these barrels were taken into this warehouse overnight uh siphoned <laughs> and then moved into different barrels and the originals were either emptied or filled with water and then taken back to the reserve which is how we got to inventory day and mm-hmm. where we are now once that all happened, the syrup started to get shipped out and transported to different places. The three men, they started, well, mostly Sebastian and Richard Vallier, who looks like Anthony Bourdain. It was crazy. And uh, Sebastian and Richard Vallier started getting a little bit nervous. Now, they're in too deep now. And <clears throat> Avik Caron is not really a very nice guy and they're starting to get kind of nervous and he's doing the whole like stay cool stay cool hey you guys better stay cool i know where you live and was threatening them and their families yeah so when sebastian gets picked up by the police he decides to testify against the other two sebastian says in his uh testimony that he's like i was just the driver you know i didn't realize this was stolen the stolen syrup and when i found out i didn't want to be involved that kind of thing and they've all the and richard says the same thing too hmm. which i was like no you guys were all involved but anyway um but you know they're all starting whatever to you want other. to go with but okay <laughs> now sebastian names those two but then he also names another man named etienne saint pierre who is an exporter but he lives in new brunswick which is a different province it's outside of quebec's federation but the federation says yeah is quebec a city or a province it's a city but i think it's both let me see okay i I like how washington dc is ah yeah it is it's a province as well as a is it like by vermont i would 
Well, it's yeah, oh, yeah no, it's yeah, directly is, north of Vermont. Yeah, yeah okay, but, makes sense. Um, Geographically, okay. yeah, I just had you... to double check that. But yeah, near like Ontario, that sort of area. Yeah, of... totally. Now the Federation says that for Etienne Saint Pierre working with Quebec producers, that he's still breaking the law, but is also a genius. Well, he's just like I'm. I just sell the syrup. He's like I'm not trying to like, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, I'm not trying to like pull the wool over anyone's eyes. If they come to me and they want to sell the syrup, I'll do it. Like, but the Federation does not like that. Of course, they and so Etienne was named by Sebastian as somebody who exported the syrup. But Etienne's like, I had no idea about the heist. I didn't know that I'm shipping out reserve syrup and stuff like that. Apparently, the government and the Federation don't care about what he has to say because they came and, like, seized all of his stuff. And it was, like, $125,000 worth of syrup that he sells and exports and stuff. So he's been, like, financially ruined. He says he's been to, I think it was um, 32 times he's been in court trying to fight Oh my against God. the federation and against the seizing of his property and it's kind of a sad situation there. i don't government i'm not saying you. anyone's <laughs> i'm not saying anyone's right or wrong here i'm just trying to relay the you know the facts That's what of the story happened. as i've yeah. as i've heard them and um there are a lot of little muddy points in it where you're like oh okay well anyway but i'm just trying to relay that no, no no tell every every aspect absolutely so the three men went to court and were sentenced and Avik Caron was sentenced to six years in jail and a $1.5 million fine. Now, this is all Canadian dollars, by the way. Yeah. Richard Valliere was sentenced to eight years and $10 million. Whoa. Etienne Saint-Pierre was sentenced to two years of house arrest and then $1.03 million. Sebastian didn't get any time because he testified against them. He turned coat. Got a, got a deal. Um, there are some lawyers who are working... Like, there's a guy who's literally a maple syrup lawyer, and he's working to help with the the fines situation on some of these, quote-unquote, rebel producers. Mm -hmm. He did win a case that was, like, saying that these massive fines that are being imposed are unconstitutional. And the court was like, yeah, you're right. They are unconstitutional. And then, like, six months later, the government comes in and goes, just kidding. We're still going to actually uphold that, so she still needs to pay the money, that kind of thing. So it's, it's like these producers are just kind of in this constant battle and constant hole and then the more legal fees you know all that sort of stuff Mm -hmm. it's just kind of um circles back around but the federation still exists it's not like a you know it's not faded out of sight with all of it um they're continuing but a lot of economists say that these sort of controlled market like they never last long and that they they're like you know if the if the Federation doesn't change its strategies or at least change the way it does things or make things more fair or this or that, then they're going to fizzle out in a few years. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see how I was going to point that out. out earlier because in, econ- in economy class, again, mine was very broad, but you're taught that free market is generally the one that thrives better, but the controlled markets are the ones that they do tend to like eventually kind of topple. Mm-hmm. I guess. Does that make sense? Like yeah. to give you like a, but yeah, I was kind of sitting there listening to that. I was like, interesting. It was kind of interesting seeing how they went about it, but man. So there is the maple syrup cartel, which is actually the Federation of Quebec uh, Maple Producers. <laughs> That's what it's called. That was an interesting and twist. the maple syrup heist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't expect it to be legal. Like that, that really threw me. I was like, okay. When it said it's basically 
OPEC, but for maple syrup. I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Right, totally. So because it's really easy to say, oh, it's a cartel or oh, it's like a mafia. How did both it, it, of it's our more stories sensationalized to say those sort of things because it gets people's attention, but it's not necessarily. How did both of our stories go into how the government is like, woo, yeah, <laughs> sketchy? Well, I mean, the thing is, it's like where something makes money. Corruption can happen. Oh, yeah. And so... Money always talks. Yeah. Well, what what started as a good thing with the Federation, like even people who are now anti-Federation, um, some people that were interviewed in different sources and also in that mm-hmm. Dirty Money mm-hmm. episode, they were like, yeah, the Federation existed when I started as a, as a producer, but over time, it became more corrupt or it wanted more control or this or that. Yep. And now we're at odds. So. It's what it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So here's to With my empty illegal mason liquids. jar. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? Actually, just a, an interesting thing that they say at the, the one of the women says at the end of that episode was she says, all drugs have been decriminalized here in Quebec. She's like, but maple syrup makes me a criminal. Mm-hmm. I was like, ooh, it's really interesting. That's extremely interesting. To maple syrup and prohibition being repealed, I guess. I and, oh, yeah, to prohibition being repealed. Oh, my God. Sorry, I didn't mean to get so excited about that, but yeah. <laughs> Fun fact. Oh. Do you know who first discovered maple syrup? No. Who's that? The Ojibwa tribe of the Cherokee Nation. Ah, yeah, because they taught the trappers how to they did. do it. Yeah. They were the first people to do it. Interesting. So everybody, please don't steal maple syrup this week or poison alcohol or... <laughs> you can make bad <laughs> Do anything that's going to land you in too much careful. of a hot water. <laughs> yeah, don't don't get in too much hot water this week. But, you know, stay stay sassy and rebellious, friends, I guess. I don't know. Indeed. Safely. Safely. S- safely sassy and rebellious. <laughs> um, yeah. And so until next week, we get to hang out again in our smoke circle. I hope... It's a wonderful week for you, but uh, we're going to hightail it out of here. And in the meantime, we're going to get money, get high, give love, and... Would you like some fries? French fries. (laughs) (laughs) Good night, folks. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, please consider rating and reviewing on whatever platform you get your pods. It really does help us so much and also helps others find us and join our weekly history party. As for the socials, you can find us on Instagram at Hightailing History and on Facebook at Hightailing Through History or with the username at Hightailing History. You can contact us at Hightailing at gmail.com. Have a great week, folks. Thank you.